Welcome to the Book Snarks Podcast, where hosts Crystal and Heidi talk about the books that keep us all up at night. Okay. Ready? Ready. Welcome back to Book Snarks Podcast. We are starting Crescent City today, House of Earth and Blood, and I am so excited. I love this book so much. It's so complex, and she did such a great job, and I'm just excited to talk about it. A uh, quick spoiler warning before we get started. We are talking all SJM universe, so anything from Throne of Glass, anything from Crescent City, anything from Akatar, any interviews, blah, 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 all of the SJM things are on the table. Crystal, do you want to start us off today? Yeah. Yeah, let's just uh let's just refresh our memories on Ho Hoab. <laughs> <laughs> or do we do a Hoab? How do you say it? Hoab. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard, heard it. it. No. <laughs> CC1, that's what I've heard. <laughs> CC1. I like that. All right. Okay, just to start us off. We meet Bryce and Danica. Danica unfortunately gets killed and the the major parts, the meat of this book is Bryce retracing Danica's steps and learning ultimately who ended up killing Danica and the Pack of Devils. And it's a very tangled web. There's a lot of secrets that Bryce had no idea about for Danica. And it's just learning, learning all the things with the side of a love story. I mean, I wouldn't call this enemies to lovers per se, but it's certainly cop to someone who doesn't like cops lovers <laughs> yes i think it's a secondary trope <laughs> yes it's a sub trope if you will <laughs> there are a pile of characters that we meet in this book like so many characters so we can start running through some of our our favorite characters or just even the, yes. the lesser characters mm-hmm. that we just fall in love with, because I have several of those. <laughs> what I love about this book, besides the city itself, which I've said several times, is each character that we meet, all 700 of them, have their own storyline. All the characters and their subplots and their goals and their arcs. And where they come from, their houses, their This is easily her most complex world. I think it's hard to get into to sort out all of the species and houses and characters and everything that we meet. But once you get into it and like, you don't have to think so much about what you're reading and you really get into the story. It's just so well developed. She does it so well. So we've talked about Bryce. We know her, her story, Danica. She is the alpha of the pack of devils. She is the prime apparent. We wish that we got more of her because she's fun. Throughout the course of this book, we learn that Danica had an agenda that Bryce was unaware of. That she didn't share with Bryce. We meet Rune pretty early as well. Because she doesn't really want to be associated with him or the Autumn King. They used to be super close. And then they had a falling out, kind of. Then they start working together. As soon as Bryce needs to like find out the murders, she ends up using rune and his resources and that are those are some of the sub characters that i freaking love because i love declan and flynn me too i love them too but it's important oh, to man. also say that rune has daddy issues 
He is not a fan of Autumn King, the dad, and he's always loved and supported Bryce, even though he's said some shitty things to Bryce, and that was the cause of the falling out. But he also has his own, you know, demons that he's fighting, like what he heard from the Oracle and moving through this journey of his. And he's sort of just playing this role, which is actually really mirrors the role that Bryce is playing as like this party girl who drinks too much and does all these drugs and parties all night long. Rune is doing the same thing. Like he's playing this role, but he doesn't really feel it in his heart. And I think his homies, to your point, are on to him. Yeah. But I love how smart Declan is with his hacking and it's yeah. it's so good. And Tristan with like his leadership with the ox, he just they they're both just great characters. I think they're they're good they additions. But let's go into Hunt Athelar. <laughs> so Hunt's got his own little storyline that's so interesting to me because he's a super gray area character. So he was in the rebellion with Sandriel, sister mm-hmm. Shahar, fought for Shahar. Shahar died at the hands of Sandriel. Hunt then is a slave, bounced around from Archangel to Archangel, doing their dirty work. And his primary goal before he meets Bryce and falls in love with her is to be free of them. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the book, after he had his wings cut off and he's on the boat doing mm-hmm. the synth deal, thinking that the synth will give him and his triari powers to overthrow micah thus overthrowing all Mm -hmm. the archangels and get their freedom he has this arc of regretting all of that regretting keeping the secrets from bryce regretting going through with it and all of those things but i will say like in that moment i i disliked hunt a little yeah i almost thought this was gonna be a Tamlin situation, yeah. his douchebaggery. Yeah, up. and that it was going to stick around. <laughs> I was so disappointed. The first right. time I read yeah. that part, I was so disappointed to find out that it was him on the boat. Especially after their whole Bryson and Hunt's story is really cool. I mean, up until that point, I was convinced that they were meant to be, especially the shower mm-hmm. scene. When she, like, soothes him after one of his after he has to go kill people for Micah and he's getting torched in the shower because that's what he does it is yeah that was such a beautiful scene to me it wasn't spice it's more like intimate but then he went and betrayed her and that was hard to forgive Hunt quite frankly there's still a kink in the chain all right up next maybe like Juniper and Fury the fearsome the fearsome foursome <laughs> was Bryce Danica Juniper and Fury Juniper is a half human half fawn amazing dancer she's the really nice friend in the group she's the balance to Fury's badass assassin personality in the group and Bryce and Danica were kind of the smart party assholes snarky assholes <laughs> That's true. Fury was like the strong silent type. Juniper's like the mother hen. And Bryce and Danica were the, they were like the problem children. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Fury's like mysterious. She's gone a lot. Likely it's, I think it's speculated that she's in Pangera a lot on doing whoever's bidding and potentially an assassin. And everybody's just kind of scared of her. And I love it because she's described as this like slight thing. She reminds me of Amrin. She reminds me so much of Amrin. I'm glad that you said that because that's exactly where I was going. There's something about Fury. It's the way she describes her eyes, her haircut, like sleek black hair, 
all of it is just a lens, lens to Auburn for me. And then there was a couple times when Bryce is like, how, I didn't know, how'd she get here? Yeah. I didn't even see her. Like she sneaks up behind her in the beginning, in part one. And then when they're on the boat, she's there mm-hmm. and like nobody understands how she got there. She is a badass because she has this like stealthy helicopter that she stores off site and they can still get away from the summit, even though Micah destroyed everything yes. else. She's just this little badass. She comes through at the end. She's like, why don't you just use my arsenal? Like, what, Fury? You have an arsenal? Yeah. I do want to circle back to Juniper Andromeda. I'm trying to look for it right now. She's described as having, like, you know, the brightness of stars and, like, this this night element to her. And I'm, I'm not going to find it because why would I find <laughs> that right now? But <laughs> she's compared to the moon a lot. Hmm. So Juniper, to me, is a counterpart to Bryce, and we haven't gotten a lot of Juniper, except in this, like, mother hen role, but her name and the way she's described, I feel like we're gonna get, Mm -hmm. I feel like Juniper has powers. I feel like she's gonna be more of a player in future books, and I really have no reason to think that, other than those descriptors. Those are your gut feelings. That's it. That's all right. There's something about her, though. She's in House of Earth and Blood? She's a fawn. Yeah. So I'm not sure how she's she's in that's a good question i assume let me look yep house of earth and blood human shifters ordinary animals witches and many others who Bethona calls it actually doesn't say who the half breed half fawn half human because she's not a shifter right she's always in fawn form yeah. so would that be an elemental house of sky and breath malachim which is the angels elementals sprites fae and those who are blessed by solace along with some favored by luna this is what i'm saying like we don't know much about the yeah the the people in lunathian who are not shifting but in a different humanoid form that was now my tangent because we it's probably not super important as to what house she's in but i was just thinking like if she's because she but she's not for sure not flame and shadow because she's not like a vampire so but anyway all that to say i agree with you i think she's definitely going to play a more important role going forward or we'll get more of her i wonder if jessica and amarin are gonna have Mm. contact in the next book my guess is yes yes and fury fury and jessica are kind of in the same boat of just the mysterious like we just don't have any answers jessica i really like her as a character so she owns the archives and she keeps rare old books that sounds like they probably were outlawed by the asteri she holds those more dear to her than anything else, which we kind of see when she's watching Bryce. Like destroy the art, the gallery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like, my books. <laughs> We're like, uh. Uh, Bryce, let's focus. <laughs> yeah. But those books mean something. I wonder if we're going to tie back to, to other books. I feel like Jessica's giving the vibe of Bone Collector. You think so? And Agatar. Yeah. Okay. Or the Weaver of the Woods. Like, knowledge beyond her realm. So does Fury. There, there's a lot of characters in, in within Crescent City that give knowledge outside of the realm vibes. Those two are certainly one of them. I think, Je- for sure, Jessica is from a different world. Me too. Other people are related to Bryce, Ember, Mom, and not biological dad, Randall Salago. Ember is awesome. I I really like her too. I love when it's revealed that Bryce is the 
heir to the Starborn Fae. And the Autumn King calls her and is like, why the fuck didn't you tell me? And she was like, you didn't deserve that information. Uh, Bryce went to you to to meet you finally when she was 13 years old and kind of get a read on you and... Then she met, that's when she met Rune and it was so important to him to be the chosen one. And she, she chose to not reveal that status because she was scared the Autumn King was going to kill her because that's what he did. Ember is just gives him literally a fuck you. It hangs up on him. Like you did not deserve that information. She loved Rune more than she hated you. She was ready to take that information to the grave. And I love love Ember. I just love how SJM writes women. I know. They're so much more memorable than the male characters. Maybe it's a little biased, but the female characters rule. She writes them so well. Farah is probably, in my opinion, her weakest female lead. Yeah. And agreed. She kind of comes into her own too, but Aelin is a badass. Bryce. Take no shit. Not doesn't actually have any power, but she wields what sh- the strengths that she does have and uses her snark and her sass and her just her like persona as a weapon as a power it's the women who save the day in crescent city like think of all of them fury jessica bryce danica they all take an authoritative position Mm -hmm. and then we think of the male leads in this book and they're all kind of like oh but i i gotta like play this role for my dad rune or oh i am but i have this other agenda that's gonna thwart what you're doing hunt when he goes to the boat and Micah, who's just power hungry. And it just feels like women are at the top of the food chain. Totally. <laughs> which I love. And which is why women probably eat this shit up because it's the way it should be. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> who am I to say? That's neither here nor there. <laughs> who else? Oh, we should. Hypaxia is another good one. Another good female. I yes. love her. She's introduced as just, just like Medwitch that's there learning and helping and blah, blah, blah. And then she just ends up being a badass in her own right, too. She takes away Hunt's tattoo, but she's Proud. revealed as the queen of the witches. I mean, come on. She's like, I was just here because I needed like a bye year. Yeah. Like a year. A gap year. Before. <laughs> yeah, a gap year. She's like, I didn't want you to know who I was because... I didn't want to take on the responsibility yet. But that's who... Which, fair. Like, Rune knew who he was supposed to be betrothed to, and it was supposed to be the the new queen of the witches. And he was totally, like, flirting and, you know, coming on to her before he knew who she was. And then he's like, wait a minute. He's like, oh, shoot, I almost cheated on you. With with you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because neither one of them were thrilled about the betrothal. No. So it was, it was like fine in the end. It was like, yeah, this was bunk to begin with, but we can be homies now. Yeah. But then we learned that Rune can mind talk. Yeah. What's up, Reese? I mean. He looks like Reese and he talks like Reese, like everything but the wings. It's like a, looks like a duck, talk, sounds like a duck, must be a duck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Hunt's like, cool trick, man. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> And I'm just wondering, like, can he do it? Can he, like, read thoughts like Reese? Can he, like, the claws on the the adamant wall kind of thing? Way off base. Let's talk about the Viper Queen. Yeah. the fuck's her deal? She pulls through in the end because Hunt calls her and is like, you owe me a favor. Which I can't remember what that favor is, but... Well, because 
the Viper Queen turned Hunt into Micah, remember? And all of them. Like, the reason Micah knew that the deal was going down on the boat was because the Viper Queen said, hey, your your 33rd Legion is is doing dirty. And now you owe me a favor, Micah. Like, she deals in favors. She's shady. She's like, She is shady. Tony Montana. But also, and she had her, like, creepy fae warriors that were, like, venom poisoned. And they're like, you know, this isn't translating well to actual audio since I'm only using my hands. <laughs> they're like venom, venom poisoned and zoned out. But then when he, when Hunt calls them in and they come and save the day with the, all the wolves and footed yeah, feet, but right? they, then they're like totally alert and badasses. So I don't know what, I don't know. It's all very fishy. I, yeah, I'm confused about the Viper Queen's real end goal. What are where her loyalties lie, and what what's her what's her story? Like, what's going on? I with think her? her loyalties lie with her. I don't know, mm. but she respects Bryce. Mm-hmm. She doesn't outright say it in this book, but she it's very clear mm. that she respects her. Agreed. How about Mike Adamatus? I have a lot to say. Okay, because let's hear it. First of all. He's playing the good guy, but he has this whole agenda behind the scenes where he wants the horn so that he can open up a realm to command like a demon army. But he also answers to the Asteri. So I'm really confused about Micah's game here. Did he go rogue and want to command the demon army for himself to to overthrow the Asteri? Or were the Asteri commanding him to do that? I think that's very unclear. Like, what's what's his game? Yeah. What do you think? I think he wanted to overthrow the Asteri. That was my thought, was he also wanted to overthrow the Asteri, but in a really fucked up way. It's like, if you were that brilliant and you're leading a city... And you're that powerful. Like, he has... He is so powerful. Yeah. Why wouldn't he let, like, Isaiah and Hunt in on his plan? When they were already part of a rebellion? But they were slaves and they could only answer to him. It's not like they could rat him out. So why wouldn't he be like, let's overthrow the Asteri together? Or was he operating on just his own agenda? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely not clear. And knowing Sarah J. Moss, I don't know that it ever will be. No, I mean, I think his his story is written. I don't think he's going to come back up. I don't think so either. But we could get wind of the other Archangel's agendas that could maybe give us hints Yeah. To All right. Therian? Want to talk about Therian? Yes. I actually really like I do Therian. too. He's the head of intelligence for the, what is she called? River the River Queen? Queen? I, she's the River Queen. I don't know her the name. The Water World? They might say. <laughs> <laughs> but just the River Queen, because remember there's more queens. We learn in book two that there's more water. Yeah, yeah. Politics That's right. that we're not apprised to. It's House of Many Waters. There it is. Yes. <laughs> yep. Not, not Water World. <laughs> <laughs> House of Many Waters. That makes way more sense. It's funny because Hunt doesn't trust him initially. He's so flirty with Bryce. I love their dynamic from the start. Flirt. And, <laughs> and he sends an otter. Can we talk oh, about otters real quick? Yes, they're so I cute. <laughs> I'm with Bryce. I would want to. I would want a letter from an otter too. Like, 
That's Me my too. life's goal. And I love how she's just like, I forgot all the trauma and everything that's happening in my world right now because an otter just showed up at my door. <laughs> and that's all I've ever wanted. Yeah. When I moved to Lunathian, I just wanted an otter. <laughs> yes. So thanks, Therian, for making dreams come mm-hmm. true. What else is up with Therian? Because there's something... We don't learn a ton about him in the first book, but he's obviously not apprised to Hunt's... Is that the word? Apprised? Mm-hmm. He's not in on Hunt's plan to double-cross Micah. He, it was a shock to him, yeah. too. And he was like, oh, damn, Hunt, that's, that's lame. Yeah. We don't learn a lot about him in this book. We learn a whole bunch about him in the second book, but we'll wait to get into that. But I just like yeah. their dynamic. I like their their little flirty relationship. Let's get into Sabine. She's... Sabine, you next Tuesday. <laughs> she... <laughs> I, I don't end up hating her by the end. Shh. I know. I can't say this. Okay, thing. so she starts off barging into the, t- the interrogation room, like wanting to kill Bryce. Where's the sword? She doesn't... She's more concerned about the sword than she is that... Danica's dead, right? That's how it's portrayed. All the way through, she's a bitch, but she ultimately covered for Danica because Danica took the horn and she plopped in the video because she was covering for her. Yeah, she did cut the video. That's a good point. She spliced the video scene of the uh, mm-hmm. when the horn was yep. stolen. And then at the very end, when everybody's at the summit and Bryce makes the drop and they realize that it's like Danica's last kind of seed her last essence ember of life and sabine is in like tears at seeing seeing the last of her daughter like she knows what she's sacrificing and she's she's described as having like tears streaming down her face i really do feel like ultimately she loved danica but she was just a cold-hearted bitch and was salty about the fact that danica was going to be more powerful than her because she wanted to be the next prime yeah i mean I can get on board with that. I think that's maybe true. But she's also done some unforgivable... Like, she's the reason Hunt's wings were cut off. No, Hunt is the reason Hunt's wings were cut off, In my, I think. Oh, isn't it after yeah. they go there? And he... Because okay. he, he pops off to Amelie, so right? Okay. Uh-huh. Amelie, Amelie. I say Amelie, yeah. but yeah. Because she's, uh, like, harassing Bryce. Okay, yeah. yeah You're she, right. She wrote, like... Some condescending shit on the chocolate croissant yeah. for Danica's yep. birthday, and Hunt was like, "No, fuck you, go fuck yourself, Amelie," and like hold her, held her up by her yeah. neck, and he shouldn't have done that. He was reactive. This is what I'm talking about: how SJM writes males versus females, mm-hmm. because Bryce would never, Bryce would never. She would, she would plot and get back at her in a in a more strategic way, and Hunt like flew off the cuff. Side note. But that's why he got called into Micah's office with Sabine. That's right. And had his wings cut yeah. off. In a way, it was Hunt's fault, for sure. Like, I agree with you. But also, in a way, it was Sabine's fault because she called for punishment. Yeah. You're right. But, I mean, Amelie kind of asked for it because she was being a she's being a bitch. Yeah. She did. She was a bitch twice. The first time they went, like when they wanted to meet with Sabine, she popped off then too. And Hunt is like, watch it. All these little pups are running yeah. around. Do you really want that? Do you want them to witness the fight we would have? And he has yeah. her back then too. I felt like it was only a matter of time until it really like came to a head. So the whole Amelie Sabine Hunt triad of drama serves to open up Ethan's eyes. So there, yeah. there's a purpose to this. He should have been the alpha of that pack because he ha- he's more powerful. And Sabine named Amelie 
because she wanted somebody she could like keep under thumb and Ethan wasn't going to be that guy, which is proven in the last scenes when he's like, Bryce, I'm on my, uh, that part gives me such goosebumps every time too. Like she's calling for help. It shows up Mm -hmm. for her. I love that so much. And then the prime appearance, like that. I know. I love that too. That like, Oh, what do you think Bryce's starlight power is? though isn't it just light it's said several times in the book that it's just light it's not like an actual power it's just the ability to it's just a bright light to blind but how did hunt get healed after she spread it all over the wasn't city? that whore the that was her being the conduit of the horn too right isn't it the horn that healed everything or was that the first light I think it was the first Because the starboard that it wasn't really her she was channeling the first light from the disc like all the power from in there with her light, with the horn. I feel like all of it together is what healed all of the rifts where the demons were coming out of it. Healed her, it healed Hunt. Maybe, yeah. maybe. I, I mean, yeah, that that absolutely could be. But now I'm thinking back to the SJM universe where light innately is the power of the healers. Yeah. So in Akatar, Summer Court, right, has the light and they have healing mm-hmm. powers. And then in Throne of Glass... It's Irene, yeah. It's Irene who's light heals air like can cure Valve. bodies of demons that are yeah so maybe that's why the Asterius so afraid of bryce yeah. and wants to put it into her and why they sent the army to yep the brimstone to lunathian they're like nuclear option these demons aren't going anywhere let's send the uh send the brimstone i think they did that to attack bryce right right and oh totally power Yep. Because her light can her light can shoo them away. Because maybe the Asteri are a type of vow. Well, it's confirmed, and it's maybe not confirmed till the second book, but it's confirmed that they're from Prithian. They came from Prithian. Yeah. But that's not Valg. Prithi- Val weren't in Prithian. You know what I mean? Well, now I'm gonna get controversial because I think you think Resand is Valg, and it's I don't Let's- receive that. Let's- well, okay, so we've got Adis. He's the fifth... Le- Adis in uh, Crescent City. He's the fifth chamber of hell, right? The fifth mm-hmm. level. Of the chasm. He's like, I don't deal he's with... He's the prince the of the chasm. Of the chasm. Yeah, prince of the chasm. And he's like, I don't deal with the first four levels. They are in, they're in stupid shit. I like poo-poo them. And maybe... <laughs> Maybe Prithian is a level of hell that is a little bit more evolved consciously, which would explain why Resand and Maeve are similar, why Resand and Rune are similar, and why Hunt, who I think, we don't learn this until the second book, but Hunt's dad is probably like a prince of hell in some way. I think Hunt is a hybrid of summer court healing, thus his lightning, and some sort of hell prince. Why he's gray and not white. Okay. I know we weren't, we weren't supposed to talk theories in this episode, but we just we just went there, and I'm just going there. So we'll, we'll just Yep. I realize, I acknowledge that Rusand, Rune, look like Maeve. But Maeve did not look like that. You know what I mean? Like, she chose that look. Yeah. So I do not think that Rusand and Rune are Valg, full stop. <laughs> Which is fine. I because we're I mean nobody nobody knows, the right? Violet eyes. Right. The 
The violet eyes. But the Valg had yellow eyes. They had gold eyes. Some of them did. Like Manon had gold mm-hmm. eyes. Manon the eyes, the eyes, eyes of the Valg kings. Maeve chose her looks. And it was confirmed. Maeve did choose her looks. However, going down the rabbit hole of Manon, in Throne of Glass, it was confirmed that witches were demons and fae made Correct. to create the witches. Yep. Which is why Manon had golden eyes. So why not fae and demon to create Resand slash Rune's line for the violet eyes? That might be a different level of hell. Okay. <laughs> I still... I'm on my hill and I'm I know, I love it. it. That's fine. That's why we're here, right? <laughs> I think, because it's a very interesting conversation that Jessica has with Adis at the end. Mm-hmm. And yes. he talks about Hunt's dad and that Jessica, Jessica can kindly disagree if she wants because she knows him better, whoever Hunt's dad is. Do you remember that? Yeah. So both Adis and Jessica know Hunt's yep. dad. But isn't it like rumored that Hunt's dad is Thur? Which is the seventh chasm or the seventh layer? No. Of Thur is, he's the guy, he's the statue at the Comitium, com, Comitium oh, yeah. that's imbuing the sword. That's not hell at all. Who is Thur? Thur is he's a fey male, a, a, a storm. His his uh, power was storms, but he's a storm deity. That's what he's called. But he's the statue that is shown. That's the what Bryce is like. Man, he kind of looks like you. Hmm. <laughs> so if it wasn't that, okay. So Thur is not. Um... He's not hell. He's not a, a, a level of hell. I mean, deity, he's more like a little mini god, right? That's how I read it. <laughs> okay. But he is fey. So that means if that's true, I, guess, I mean, it hasn't been confirmed who his dad is, I don't think. But if that's true, then he's would be half fey, half angel, right? Yeah, he'd have to be. But I, I think I think Crescent City segregates the fey yeah. way more than they did in... Prithian. So everybody was Fae in Prithian. Mm-hmm. And in Crescent City, there's angels. There's this, vampires. There's. there's, there's the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think in Prithian, they were all just Fae. Yeah. Well, except for like the Illyrians are not Fae. They're Illyrians. They're. They're they're lesser Fae. They're not high Fae. Okay. That's true. Well, are they? They're technically Fae? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Reese is a demon. <laughs> But a good one. That is so fucking disrespectful, Crystal. (laughs) (sighs) But like, I think there's that we know that there's seven layers to hell and they can't all be bad because even in Throne of Glass, there was a subplot of Elena and and her human mate. They talked about how one of the Val, like one of the demons fought on their side. Do you remember this? Mm Mm-mm. Me neither, because it's not coming to me pristinely. <laughs> but there, <laughs> but there was like a storyline of one of the who was the god that disintegrated in the end. Remember, it was Elena's mom, Mala. Mala got flittered away into nothingness in the end because she, her storyline was she fell in love with someone from the, the other side of the war. Right? Did I just make all that up? Doesn't feel like I'd make that up because I obviously don't know what I'm talking about. I don't remember it that way at all. She she did give up her god status. I don't remember. I don't think it I don't feel like it was somebody on the other side of the war. Anyways, I don't think the demon are all that bad. Manon was half demon. I mean there was that conversation at the end of Kingdom of Ash 
because she's like, okay, so if we just story out the Valg, does that mean I go too? You know, like that was the conversation around Aelin, like who gets to pick who stays and who goes, you know? Do you remember that? Yeah conversation i don't know also completely sidetracking us but there's debate about like the timeline so like do you think this is actually a crescent city two conversation so never mind <laughs> brannon she fell in love with brannon and she sacrificed her immortality to be with brannon so he gotcha. was not that was that was a uh, in aelin's line so it's definitely not a demon yeah okay then it must have been in akatar where there was like sheep brannon and mala were elena's parents and then yeah and elena was a descendant of aelin no aelin yeah. was a descendant of elena yeah exactly wrong order all right where are we <laughs> bring us back all right give me some of your uh give me some of your favorite parts of the book what are some highlights for you which we've already kind of done but i love all the scenes where bryce is taking pictures with hun's phone mm-hmm. sees him differently than when he's wearing a baseball cap and she's looking at him in a different light their whole dynamic starts to yeah of them falling in love is really cool to me because it's through a modern lens mm-hmm. she's like all you have is dismembered bodies in your photos she's like that's got to change and then changes her name in his phone all the time like yeah. bryce rocks my socks i fucking love that yeah Agreed. Even though I'm finding it hard, in all of Sarah J. Moss's male main characters, I'm finding it hard to forgive Hunt the way that I did Rowan and Resand, just because of his betrayal on the boat. It happened after they fell in love. Yeah. All the other betrayals, Rowan's betrayals and Resand's secrets and betrayals, all that shit happened before, before the love was announced. This one happened after, and it just makes him less likable. Maybe that's what it is, because he's not, he's probably my least favorite male main character and maybe that's why but i just don't but if you think about it rowan beat up aelin he punched her in the face and like resand let her fucking dance around half naked and rot in a rot in a cage the first book and we're like oh but it's okay because the love hasn't been <laughs> and then hunt would never hunt hunt like had her back from the get with even when she was interrogation in in the interrogation room after danica passed he was like, get this girl out of here. She's going to shock. Help her, help her, help her. I think that was selfishly, though, because he's like, she's not answering any questions. Like, get her the fuck out of here. I don't, I didn't read that as like having her back. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. For me, Rowan, like that was a part of his character development for me because he was mm-hmm. so lost and damaged too. And it showed a lot of people don't like Rowan as a male lead because of that. And to me, it just was like part of his story. They were both so like lost and sad and angry and all the things. And they both like, that's why they worked. Yeah. But there's something about hunt that puts him at the bottom of the list. And I think that's it. I think the betrayal came after the love. That's what I think it is. Okay. Maybe I I just needed a I needed a reason. I just knew in my gut that I just don't like him as much. <laughs> yeah, there's something intuitive there. Yeah. All right, what's your favorites? Give me some favorite scenes of yours. I like when Hunt and Bryce go to talk to Rune, Declan and um Tristan Flint and they're at the shooting range and you know they're like oh Bryce you want to shoot and she just fucking crushes it because it just yeah. sho- like it just I don't know I just really like it and it was, she it looks- was Declan or Flynn who's like you only you only made one hit you only hit it one time yeah they're like no she hit it every time she's at the same fucking spot like a 
precision. That just gave her that sharpshooter background from Randall. Hunt saw her and I see your badassness. I am not scared of it and I will one-up you because I can do it better. <laughs> you know, like he, he wasn't intimidated or scared. And I that was the first time we really saw that. I liked that. Yeah, I liked that too. And that was the first time he really started seeing her for more than just a party girl. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, maybe she's... There's more to this Bryce than meets the eye. What is she really upset about when she goes to the Raven and she's drinking water? Or no, maybe she doesn't even go to the Raven. She goes to some bar, but she's drinking water. Do you remember? When? I don't, There's she's, a couple instances of that. But it's the first time and he realizes he's like, oh shit, she is not a party girl. She hasn't even been drinking for the last two years. And she has oh, led yeah. everyone to believe that she's just this reckless, irresponsible kind of vapid party yeah. girl and sh- she is not that at all he even thought she was drinking at first and like brought the drink up to his nose mm-hmm. and he's like oh what are you drinking you haven't had it he was trying to get her to eat i think they were at dinner with juniper he was trying to get her to eat and she's like could you not tell me what the fuck to do with my own body mm-hmm. and um and then he like brings the drink up to his nose and i was like oh that's not booze that's water yeah and i've been wrong this whole time egg on face hunt yeah <laughs> That's a great scene too. That yeah. their their whole dynamic and how they fall in love and get to know each other is really cool. We can't not talk about Jelly Jubilee, you know. We have to talk about JJ. Yeah. That he, he <laughs> thinks she's he's finding like sex toys and it's her <laughs> box of my little ponies from her childhood. <laughs> that is totally how I like Me too. <laughs> And she adores it. Yeah. She's like, I wouldn't let any other kids play with it. That's my Jelly Jubilee. I should, we should give, I should give out a shout out to, uh, there's a, a girl on Instagram. Her name is Sparrow and Wild. Her, her at is Sparrow and Wild, but she is a licensed merch person for SJM and her Jelly Jubilee designs are so freaking good. <laughs> she has shirts and sweatshirts and all of it. They're so good. So shout out to I her. They're it. perfect. That deserves a shout out for yeah. sure. Yeah. She has the, so like a ton of good good options from all three worlds. It's, it's She's really talented. Here's another favorite. This is, I'm totally switching gears. I'm just thinking of my favorite parts. Okay. All of the major players in Lunathion are at a thing called the Summit. Bryce is not a major player, quote unquote. Uh, so she is not at the Summit. And Micah, who's supposed to be there, just pops up at the art gallery that she works out. It's called Griffin Antiquities. And it immediately puts her on edge. Bryce calls Jessica. Like, it's the smartest. I love I love to see in this scene because she calls Jessica right away and everything is on speaker, on video. Everybody sees everything that happens. She draws him out. She gets him to like admit to all of the things and explain everything. So we find out that the horn has been tattooed on her back. We find out that you go fucking batshit crazy when you have too much synth in your system. That he put the synth in Danica. She killed the pack because of him. He gives us, it's his full testimony right there. Guilty, signed, sealed, delivered. Totally. So she's fighting for her life. And I mean, we can already get into La Haba because that scene just like slays me. 
I know. So he pow- he powers yeah. up her back, and then Lahab is like, "I got your back. I'm gonna keep him here while you escape." And Lahaba breaks the glass, and Bryce escapes. I mean, but Lahaba. This is in my my favorite parts. Lahaba saying. I'm a descendant of Ranthea Draw, Queen of Embers. She is with me now and I will not be afraid. My friends are behind me and I will protect them. And then it switches to my friends are with me and I am not afraid. And she just repeats these sentences over and over and over again while she's just fighting for her friends. She's just found out she's free. She's no longer a, a slave. And she says, let my first act of freedom be to save my friends. And it's all just so good. We love Lahaba. It's the it's the repetition of those, I am a descendant of so-and-so. I am not afraid. It just took me straight back to Aelin. Oh, my, yes, I am Aelin Galathinius. I am not afraid. Yeah. I will not be afraid. Or when and she is like so many of the parts start with there once was a girl who loved her kingdom very much. It just is also reminiscent of that. And it just got me right in the feels. Anyway, so Lahaba saves her, buys her a little few extra minutes. And then Bryce goes straight badass and goes up to Jessica's office and literally puts together a gun with a bullet in her mouth without looking at the gun. The God Slayer. Like, come on. Puts this whole thing together without even having to look at it. And just... Gets him. Straight in the head. Then she grabs yeah. Danica's sword. And I love that it says, only Danica's sword will do for this job. Because she literally, like, there's a couple pieces. And she just gets him. And then dumps gasoline on him and lights his ass on fire. Like, there is no redemption for this dude. <laughs> He's, there's no coming back. <laughs> You're not coming back. Oh, no. He will not be healed from your severed head nope. bullet in the skull. She waits for his body to turn to ash, which and she's kicking it. She's like, whew, that was rough. And she's smoking a cigarette. She, she vacuums his ass up. And she vacuums his ass up. I love it so much. This is this is definitely top five oh, yeah. scenes for me. In the I book. mean, top five maybe yeah. SJM scenes in general. It's just so good. Whew. We're... Recovering from this, and we learned that Micah's hit to her back actually did open a gate to hell, and all these demons start flooding into Lunathian. The feed is still going, so everybody at the summit is still watching this, and she's like, oh, fuck, the, I gotta save the people. And the first place she goes is the human district, because mm-hmm. she's pure at heart. And she's like, these veneer got shit covered. I'm gonna go save the babies. And she calls for help using the disc. They get the call. Everybody at the summit is like, oh shit. And then Hunt is like, I gotta go help my girl. Hypaxia is like, we're gonna remove the slave mark. The tattoo on his brow is to hone in his powers. It did, yeah. It kept his power in check. Hunt kills Sabriel. Sandriel. Hunt kills Sandriel. <laughs> Who's Sabriel? Oh, that was that other book. Oh, anyway, sorry. No, continue with this thought. Well, Sabriel was one of the books that SJM got influence from, remember? And Sandriel is awfully close. Very different characters, though. So maybe it's just a coincidence. So anyway, at the end in those final scenes and she calls Hunt and it's like broadcast through the summit. She thought she was going to get his audio mail, but... Um, Sandriel answered his phone and she starts saying like I need you to call my mom tell her that I love her to my father and then she clarifies no to Randall my father so the Autumn King just gets shit on 
even in her final yeah. moment. What she thinks is going to be her final moments. I love that part too. But the one that like it gets me every time and she's like, tell Juniper, thank you. Thank you for saving me from jumping and that this is why I'm meant to be here helping now. Like yeah. that good, that portion of her goodbye like brings me to tears every time. I, gosh, it, yeah, it broke me. Yeah. And this is why I think Juniper has some, some something that we're not mm-hmm. knowing yet. Mm-hmm. But I do think we got a little glimpse of the Autumn King's motives. Or at least I feel like he cared about her in those end moments. Did you get that too? Yes. Um, When she's fighting Micah in the library. Yeah. And he's like, leave the Chimera, leave the Chimera. Like, he wants her to leave Syrinx because she's like, that's what's going to get you killed. Like, leave it behind. Um, I do think that he cared. And he didn't know then that about her starborn ability. So. I think ultimately it's it was that he was so in love with Ember, like, and he just had such a fucked up way of showing it. I think that. But was, I think he's got an agenda ag- against the Asteri too. I think so too. So here's a theory. I think that's safe to safe to assume. So in this first book, the Autumn King says the Fae have been losing power for a long time, mm-hmm. and we know that the Valg suck pow- suck life from people, and we know about the First Light in this book. So I think it's safe to assume that. The Autumn King is on to the Asteri in some way mm-hmm. at this at this moment in time. I agree. He's tracking. He has secrets for sure. Like his his um, you know, remember he's like tracking the planets yeah, and the all of the things thing. in his office. Like he's got he's mm-hmm. he's got something going on in his brain. I just can't help but think like all the crossovers. Like obviously we know there's crossover to Akatar. Like that's been shown already. But the at the end of Throne of Glass, when they open up the the ground, basically, and all the Fae come running out on wolves, I oh yeah, I remember that. I don't know. I just can't the mountain, the mountain Fae, the feral mountain Fae. Yeah. But when Aelin was falling through the worlds, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. She saw Crescent City and she saw Resand and Feyre. Resand and Feyre is the more obvious one, like. We know that that's who she saw right off the bat. It it took me a couple of reads to realize that she was seeing Crescent City as well. I didn't yeah. catch it at first. Well, Sarah J. Moss has uh, confirmed that. Yep. In interviews. These next couple of books, because look, as with his shadows, these this next Crescent City book and then the next Akatar book, I feel like we're just like they're gonna be so juicy. So what's Az's relation to Crescent City characters? But the shadows? next the next Corner. house is Flame and Shadow and Az is Shadows. And I feel like there's going to be crossover in that. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And it just builds up for his his next book in Akatar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, where he falls in love with Elaine. Yeah, I was just going to say when he <laughs> ships Gwyn. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. To put, we're gonna have to put. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to utilize this and take a poll. Although yeah, I we should. Take a poll on TikTok and everybody said Elaine. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's too bad. But everybody could be. <laughs> <laughs> everybody could be wrong. I mean, <laughs> we'll we'll know. All right. In about a year, we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Crescent City will hint at anything. Because we're going to see them. I mean, how important are Gwyn and Meryl going to be? I'm sorry. It's Gwyn. Like, Meryl is the one studying all the worlds. And it's Gwyn. It's Gwyn. Mm. 
That is my hill. Okay. This was good. It's such a good book. I think so too. There's so many twists and turns Mm -hmm. in this book. It's like you think you're going to end up in one part of the world and you end up completely opposite. And like the character storylines, I think, are what make this book brilliant, along with the city itself. The last... I don't even know how many pages. It's a lot of pages because you think that the fight with Micah is going to be like, that could be the big finale. And then it's not at all. She still saves the freaking world. But there's, (laughs) it's the last like 200 pages are just so action packed and read so fast. Like once you're in it, into it, it's just like really good book. Well, let's get into our reread of the second book. Mm -hmm. House of Sky and Breath. Flame and Shadow. Sky and Breath. <laughs> Let's get into the second book, House of Sky and Breath. It's all right. I already did it with Waterworld, so. <laughs> We've got House of Earth and Blood. We've got House of whatever you just said, and we've got Waterworld. So those are the houses, people. <laughs> oh, it's so much to keep track of. Like, you've, you, you've mentioned this a couple times. So those first hundred pages are, are just, like... An encyclopedia of information that if you don't remember, you have to reread it. I loved this in a in a SJM interview, and I don't remember when it was or who it was with. Don't ask me. I feel like it was pretty recent, though. But they asked her if there's, like, an SJM Bible, basically, that, like, and it is. She She confirmed, like, they really do have this, like, Bible of a book that tracks all, like, down to eye color. Like it tracks everything so that she everybody can just revisit. I hate that. Yeah. I love that though. I want yeah. I want that published. Okay. I know. I imagine as the author of these worlds, you have to have a mechanism to keep track of all this shit. Because there we just we only talked about maybe, maybe ten percent of the characters in this book. Seriously. Like there are so many. More. And we didn't even like talk about the gods and we just which we could do a whole episode on the gods of all the series, which might be an idea. Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about the Asteri, their characters at all. We didn't talk about more landmarks. There's just a million other things we could touch on, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Next up, we will get ready for House of Sky and Breath. We will be reviewing <laughs> Crescent City 2. <laughs> the second one. Yeah. Gearing up for that third one. Cannot wait. Coming out soon. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening and watching. Catch you later. Bye. As always, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Look for us on socials. We are on Instagram and TikTok at BooksnarksPod. We are on YouTube. Find us there. Leave us your reviews. Leave us your comments. Leave us your questions. Till next time. Happy reading, y'all.